All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here this morning. Like Pastor Alex said in the, the video, he's not here. So I'm here today. I am, my name is Joel. I am a member here at Ridgeview. I help out with KidZone, um, teaching, teaching the boys. And today I'm, I'm up here. So we are, we're glad that you're here. This is um, a seven-part series, and we're on week two today. It's called Lives and Letters, and we're looking at letters in the New Testament that were written to churches a long time ago, and how to bridge that gap from what those letters say to how that would even apply to our lives today, kind of make sense of it. So we're going to be looking at um, the Apostle Paul, who Alex talked about last week because he wrote uh, 13 letters in the news. He was a letter writer. He wrote a lot of them. And we're going to be looking at pieces of a couple of other letters today, one, one from the book of Galatians, and he wrote to the church, churches in Galatia, and then one to uh, the Corinthians who lived in Corinth. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, speaking of letters, I mean, there's different reasons, and, and Alex mentioned that last week too. You write a letter to encourage people. Sometimes it's maybe to remind them of something. Lots of post-it notes are usually the reminders. They're, they're short. And then um, letters to actually challenge people. You know, make them think about something that maybe they haven't thought about or remind them that they need to be doing something. I want to um, put a letter up here, actually, in just a moment that I received from my daughter uh, a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. So I went on a trip for work. I had to go to Colorado, and either she put it in my backpack or said, don't read it till you get there. Or I don't know what it was. But anyways, this is the back of it. The, she wrote a note on one side, and then on the back, there's this. And I just want to read it to you because, you know, there... Notes can be encouraging. So I went to go do a job, and she said, remember this verse when you feel like you're ready to give up. 12 years old. I'm like, okay, I'm going to remember this. She's, she's preaching to me. Uh, Never give up, she said. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Work hard. I'm like, you're going to work. You better work hard. And then uh, you can do this, right? So there's, just, there's, there's a Bible verse here that she took from Philippians uh, 4.13, um, and she actually saw how to bridge a gap from a, a letter written a couple thousand years ago to uh, my life today. Philippians is a book that Pastor Alex talked about last week. And I thought, and I keep this, you know, it's near my, my bed because I, I got this for a trip that I took. And there's a lot of encouragement in it. One, some is just her own advice, don't give up, work hard. And the other is just a verse from the Bible that says, you can do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And she really, you know, it really focuses you back on where does my strength come from? If I have a task to do, no matter what it is, uh, who do I rely on? Am I going to lean on my own ability or, or trust in God? And so that, that, was, that was kind. I wanted, I wanted to share that because I thought, you know, letters, yeah, we're reading letters from thousands of years ago, but we get notes and letters today, and they can be a big encouragement and blessing. So these letters from today that we're going to be looking at in the New Testament, uh, Paul wrote. So when we're examining these letters, first we want to know who wrote it. Paul, he was an apostle. He was an early uh, church planter. Um, And then also the setting. So I've got a map I want to show here. Um, He wrote a couple things. So this is actually Paul's missionary journeys. You see all these lines. He's going all over the place to tell people about Jesus and help start churches. Um, his first, the letter to the Galatians, you see Galatia up here. So he, he wrote this letter to them. This is modern day Turkey. So that's kind of the area of the world that we're in. And he was in Antioch when he wrote that letter. So he's over here writing to encourage these people who he had helped 
you know, start a church there, and he wanted to remind them. And, and in some ways, that's similar to what, what Pastor Alex is doing today in the sense that he was leading a church in Alhambra, and he's there to, to encourage them and, and to celebrate with them today. Uh, Paul's letter, as we'll see, had a little different edge to it than just encouragement today. And then um, he was in Ephesus when he wrote to the Corinthians, and you'll see the Corinthian, uh, Corinth is right here, that's Athens, Greece right here, so Corinth is over here. So that's kind of the areas uh, where Paul's sending these letters today, just to give us kind of the geography and where we are, because sometimes if you're like me, I hear these names, I don't go to these places, I haven't traveled there, Um, it's not Rialto, you know, it's not Ontario, so I'm like, it could be anywhere. So just so we kind of have an idea of where, where he is when he's writing these letters and who these letters are to. Now, the letter to the Galatians was about, they had become very focused on rules. And the title of this message series, you have a listening guide in your program. You're welcome to use that to kind of follow along and take notes, and you had a pen with your program, or if it's easier just to kind of listen, that's fine. But um, you'll notice at the top of the listening guide, it's called Living in the Tension, because there are things that come up as we navigate our relationship with God that aren't issues of right or wrong. They're preferences. And sometimes there's tension when our preferences begin to dominate, especially if other people don't prefer what we prefer. And that's part of what we're looking at. So in Galatians, they became rule-focused, which means uh, you got to do it this way. And there's a lot of tradition that's coming in from, from Judaism and other things where people that started to follow Christ said, well, what about these things that we did before that were kind of, you know, cultural traditions? Uh, we need to hold people to that too, right? So, so in Galatia, it's starting to become Jesus plus this or this or this. Yeah, you need Jesus, but you better dress this way or do these things this way. And so Paul... Paul wanted to write them a letter about that. Now, in Antioch, or in Corinth, uh, in the Corinthians, they were more freedom-focused. Now that they had been forgiven of their sins, and they had liberty in Christ, they were going to focus on the freedoms and what they could, in in a sense, what can we get away with? How much can I do to where I'm still, uh, maybe not even still, it's like, hey, we can do this. And they came from from various backgrounds, from uh, that in, that it, from God worship, different gods, and, and sexual immorality, all these things, and they start trying to blend this stuff in with the gospel, and Paul's like, wait, I'm going to write a letter. He actually wrote two to the Corinthians. So um, he said, let's, let's get focused on this. So, and either of these approaches can be damaging to the gospel. I'm going to focus on all the rules, or I'm going to focus on all my freedoms, and we can get distracted from the truth of the gospel, which is there's a God who loves you. He wants a relationship with you, and he went through great lengths to restore that relationship to the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. That's what we've heard. That's what we know. But if you're like me, it's easy to get sidetracked and start maybe majoring on the minor things. And we, and we, we hold other people to these standards that you're not going to find in Scripture, but you're going to find them in your own heart. So I wanted to look at that. Um, the first thing on your listening guide, it says, uh, when our focus shifts towards our preferences, our unity quickly erodes. And our progress stalls. So there's a couple of words. There's obviously uh, preferences I've, been, I've mentioned. Um, but if we want to be united as a church and as a group that are moving forward to helping other people know about Jesus, uh, it, it, it doesn't happen if we, we focus on these preferences. It quickly erodes and our progress stalls. As, as a church, we want to reach out to others. We want to help them know about Jesus. And we want to work together uh, to bless and, and live life together and know more about Christ. But what happens is if we find ourselves preferring something over 
just the gospel, we can find ourselves damaging uh, the unity here. And it's easy to do. It's, it's easy to get into these things, and so we want to kind of look at what the Scripture says about it. Let's, um, let's look at these verses together, Galatians 1, 6 through 9. So here's Paul writing to the church in Galatia. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Let's look at these other two verses, uh, eight and nine. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So Paul was saying, if one of us, somebody that you trust, comes to you and says, there's actually more to this than just Jesus, you don't believe him. And if an angel showed up on your doorstep and said, hey, there's Jesus plus this, you don't believe him. The gospel didn't change, and the gospel will never change. And he said, I'm actually surprised that so quickly you took a right turn or a left turn, like you got off track. I'm actually surprised. And so these are pretty strong words that Paul is is writing, and it's really because there's deep concern, and he says he sees them heading a direction that's more focused on rule uh, on rules. And later in the chapter, he writes to Cephas, who is Peter, who is one of uh, the key early church leaders, uh, confronting him. Because when you come from a culture of well, we have certain rules and regulations in Judaism on circumcision or whatever, and we need to hold these new Christians to that. And Paul said, "No, we we hold them to one thing, which is the gospel of Christ that Jesus died for them." Um, and rose again, and we, want, we, we don't need extra barriers uh, to get to that forgiveness. It's, it's through you know, Jesus alone. So it's, we're starting to see that Paul is writing uh, to really encourage and challenge these people that are focused on the law. Later in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, uh, but may it never be that I should boast. This isn't on your listening guide, but if you want to write down Galatians six fourteen, just that reference to look at later. He says, but may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through whom the world has been crucified to me and I'm to the world. The thought there is that if I'm going to brag about anything, it's really what Jesus has done for me, which it's really what Jesus did. It's not even us bragging about something we did. God has reached out to us and offered restoration. So the things that you and I want in life, uh, peace, clarity, wisdom, with finances, with relationships, with people, with work. Um, It's through a relationship with the God who created you, who knows the blueprint for your life, and that only comes through Jesus. And so he says, I'm not going to brag in in how educated I am. I'm not going to brag in how many churches I've planted or am planting. I'm not going to brag in how articulate I am or how how, um, many things that I've accomplished in my life. The only thing I'm going to brag about is that Jesus died and rose again, and the the world that is creeping in to distract you from that one simple truth is I'm crucified to the world, the world's been crucified to me. So it's this really clear reminder that Paul's writing to the Galatians that don't get sidetracked. And and we're going to talk about in a little bit the the various things that can sidetrack you and I, um, because obviously it comes quick. And Paul mentioned that right in Galatians 1. He says, I'm surprised how quickly it happened. Do you ever get that way with yourself? I do. I'm like, wait, I just... I, I was just reading this in the Bible, and then I, you know, three minutes later, I'm, I'm angry and mad, and I look in the mirror, I'm like, who is that guy? Where'd he come from? 
Uh, but that's, that's life. We can quickly get sidetracked. And, and Paul's reminding them, let's just refocus. Thankfully, we are forgiven. We are forgiven, and because by the grace of God, we continue to get up and we make progress even when it's difficult, as we try to get traction in different areas of our life. Um, be careful of getting sidetracked. So 2 Corinthians 11.3, I believe, is on your listening guide here. Yes, and so this is uh, to the Corinthians. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, uh, other translations say by his craftiness, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So Paul's concern here is, is getting sidetracked. And where does it start? Between your ears, your thoughts. You start thinking um, essentially enemy thoughts. I can't do this. This is too hard. Uh, no one else is going through this. Why is it always me? Or um, I've got a better idea than you, God. Any of those thoughts that can come into our heads throughout the day. Um, it says your thoughts are going to be led astray, and you're going to start believing something that isn't this, sincere and pure. Or uh, uh, the New American Standard says simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Um, we can overcomplicate it. Uh, we can overcomplicate it and really want people to uh, agree with us on something that is not a major issue. And we can, we can get really worked up over these things, damaging relationships, friendships, and really sidetracking us from work that we could be getting after because we have lost sight of this, and it's been happening since the beginning of, the time, beginning of time when Satan deceived uh, Eve and Adam and Eve in, in the Garden of Eden, and, and from then it, it continued on, and he says, and it starts in your mind, where are your thoughts, what are you thinking on? Uh, and part of the reason that we're posting these verses up here and you have access to them is that you can revisit them and think about them and work these into uh, your mind. So as we go throughout our days, we actually have um, weapons to use against these thoughts that could sidetrack us, discourage us, stop our growth, stop our progress. So getting sidetracked is easy to do. I, I watched a high-speed car chase this week. I think you can watch one every day of the week if you wanted to, um, but it actually made me think of how easy you can get sidetracked, because do you ever watch a high-speed chase? If you do, guilty pleasure or whatever, um, do you ever watch it and you say, what are they thinking? Where do they think they're going to go? They've got eight cars behind them, police cars, There's a, they're on a helicopter. You, you just get this picture really quick, like, they didn't, they didn't think this through, and then, and then later when they're riding with like the tires are popped and they're on the rims of a stolen car and sparks are flying, you think, well, what was your plan? How do you think this is going to go? And they turn into a neighborhood and now they're on the sidewalk and it, it's like you, you've, you have ended up somewhere you did not probably want to be, but you didn't have a plan. Your plan was, I'm just going to go, I guess. And I saw one this week, the guy got out and he was in shorts. That's it. No, no shirt, no socks, and I thought, you did not have a plan. <laughs> this was not something where he'd been working on this for weeks, and then he just said, this is how it's going to go, I'm going to get, it's not like, and then if he got out, I thought, where's he going to, you're not going to blend in with anybody. Like, you're, he walked out, and hey, where's the beach? You're 50 miles from a beach. You're not, you're not at the beach. You didn't have any, so they, so they pick him up, and it just, it becomes such a mess, and such like a train wreck where you're like, I can't believe this, but I can't look away. 
And I think that's how I feel sometimes when we get sidetracked. It's like, how did I end up here? I didn't really have a plan. I just thought, I'm going to keep walking this way, and I keep doing And in the end, you have to come back to all the mess that you made, all the stoplights you ran, all the cars you hit, all the lawns you tore up, and that all has to be dealt with. It doesn't just disappear and go away. Got to find shoes, everything, right? So because of that, it's like we could save ourselves a lot of heartache with having a plan not getting sidetracked and having to go through all that and then still end up where you, having to figure out what you did. The bottom line is the scripture is here and it's the truth of God. And we can, we can ignore it for a period of time, but life always flows God's direction. History always flows God's direction. And all of us are proving the Bible is true, either by our obedience or our disobedience. But it all comes back. We all end up, the rims fall off, we get caught, and we have to say, okay, wait, I didn't have a plan here. I need to get back to what uh, I, I started with here, right? And so Paul is really urging uh, the Corinthians here and are reminding us, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go through all that if you can uh, it, it just stay on track. Don't let your thoughts carry you away uh, to where you don't want to be or to where you believe things that aren't true so much that you're acting as if it is true, um, Okay, so let's look at uh, a couple of things. Before we get into this next chunk of verses, I want to mention, just kind of reel off a few of the things that the church in Corinth was struggling with. One was name dropping. If you uh, heard that term before, people talk about who they know or they brag about who they've been around. So there was some of that maybe with different church leaders or whatever. So there's name dropping going on in the church. There was minimizing sin. Like, yeah, I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as them. You know, it, you know, it's like there's sin, and then there's their sin, right? So that was going on in the church a little bit. Uh, not clearing things up. Instead of clearing things up with each, with each other, they would take them to court. So imagine church members, there's a, there's a conflict, and they're like, we're not going to try to work this out together. I'm taking you to court. So that was happening. Um, dietary choices. You got to eat this way. If you don't eat this way, I don't know if we can hang. So there was that going on. Spiritual gifts, arguing over spiritual gifts, maybe what's better or worse, or what do you have? Uh, orderly worship, and prep, just preference issues in, in general. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 18, and um, see some of these uh, issues that are coming up in Paul's approach to how to address this group in uh, Corinth dealing with their liberties or their freedoms. We have the freedom to do that. Do we have that? Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Um, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, um, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So there's united again. You know, that bold face at the top of your listening guide today says, you know, our progress stalls and we're not united when we major on our preferences or we, or we make that the issue. Uh, but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. So there's, there's kind of a parental feel to this. If you have kids and there's an argument that breaks out, you can say, hey, I heard you guys are fighting, and no one had to tell me, in, at least in my house, I can hear it. But um, he was told because he wasn't there, right? Um, there's quarreling among you. Okay, let's look at the next what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? 
or were you baptized in the name of the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I think there's a couple more verses here. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. So it's almost like Paul is saying, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. And then he remembers, well, I baptized a few of you, but that's not the point, right? It's still not about, <laughs> it's, it's, still, uh, it's still about Jesus. And he goes, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So I mentioned that verse earlier in Galatians 6.14, where if I'm going to brag, I'm going to brag about the cross of Christ, that Jesus loves me and he died for me. That's the message. And he rose again. And he says, uh, I'm not coming with eloquent words of wisdom, but it's, it's about the, the power of Christ. It's not about me. And so his concern was people were saying, well, Paul baptized me. Who baptized you? Right? There, there's this competition. He goes, this, this is not what it's about. It has to come back to Jesus. And your preference on who baptized you or who's teaching you or what person, this is the name dropping thing we're talking about, what person that you know, um, this is not the ma- this is not the issue, and you're making it the issue. And because you're making it the issue, there's quarreling and fighting and division, and that's far from where we. That's the high speed chase. You're far from where you ever wanted to be. That that plan did not work. Um, so let's bring this home. Let's bridge this to our lives today. What are things that people get caught up on that could cause division in relationships in church? I don't know if you guys heard. There's a presidential election this year. So one could be politics, right? Um, and it could be quickly. If, if someone uh, has a candidate that you disagree with, you immediately have an opinion about them. And it could, it could strain your relationship with them because you can't stand that they would even think that, much less speak it out loud or put a bumper sticker on their car or whatever, right? So politics are not, as a follower of Jesus, that's not what we major on. Yes, should we vote? Sure, we vote. Should we get educated on uh, uh, issues and topics? Absolutely. But politics can be divisive to the point of actually uh, damaging the gospel, if that's more of your concern than uh, Jesus. Uh, Schooling is a big one with parents. Uh, Some people homeschool, some people public school, some people charter school, some people private school, uh, some people do a a medley of all of it. Um, And actually... That's not something we need to evangelize. My life is not how you school your kid. At the end of their life, somebody may ask them how they got educated. Maybe they won't. Um, but that's not going to be what should define them. Uh, and so we have to be careful of those things. Yeah, do you want to get wisdom on what's the best option for your child? Of course, go for it. It's a wise thing to do. But it's not something we're to evangelize. That, uh, if you're going to really get passionate and tell people about something, tell them about Jesus. Tell them that he loves them and he's got a plan for their life and, and, and that there's real hope and life and peace there. Uh, what else? Health diet, keto diet, Whole30 diet, donut only diet, whatever your preference is, uh, you may want to evangelize it. Hey, this is, these donuts are great. Only eat here. I don't know. But the idea is that, okay, that there are health options. There are things that are maybe better or wiser choices, but it's not something that you need to go preach. If someone wants your advice, how are you losing weight? Yeah, of course. It's not like, no, I don't talk about that. It's just not what we major on. It just isn't. Um, What else? Uh, Drinking, uh, use of tobacco. Uh, The Bible says don't get drunk. 
So that is clear. That's not like a gray area. Drinking is. Some people will not drink at all. Um, some people think it's, they're okay with drinking. They're, they're under no conviction to drink uh, for whatever, you know, at a meal or whatever, socially, that type of thing. Um, it really isn't something God's asking us to evangelize about. Like you don't go to a bar and knock beers out of people's hands or whatever, right? Um, and honestly, if you aren't a drinker and you're in environments where people are drinking, you'll probably have an opportunity to share with them why. And, 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 and if they are, but even if they are, it doesn't mean they're wrong, if that makes sense. So they, these are the things you've probably experienced um, with, with, um, as you go through trying to figure out from school to, to diet to drinking, financial approaches in camps, don't ever use credit cards, only use credit cards, uh, I don't know, you know, all these things, there's different, like Dave Ramsey is a radio personality who has a way to do it, um, you can, that have helped a lot of people get out of debt, uh, must everyone do it that way, no, do we evangelize that, no, but these are not matters of right or wrong, these are matters of preference. And as we see, if we major on our preferences, division starts. Additionally, these are matters of wisdom, though. And God will give you wisdom on it as you need traction with, okay, use of alcohol or tobacco or health or how to school my kids or any of those other things. There's actually help and wisdom from God and from others that have uh, navigated these choices ahead of you that you can get real wisdom from. So it's certainly something that... uh, you want to get wisdom from. There's a video here I want to cue up. Uh, Bob Newhart had a show. He was a co- he's a comedian, still alive, where he dealt with clients or patients. Um, he's a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and people would come into his office in this show. And so I could tell you, uh, if you're majoring on your preferences, I think Bob, Bob Newhart could tell us best, give us all advice on what to do if we're trying to major on just telling everyone our preferences all the time. So let's watch this video. And uh, we'll chat about it. I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. (laughs) Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. You're there. Stop it. I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? (laughs) You you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. No, Daddy. no, no, no. No, we, de- we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say. We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. All right. It's helpful advice, right? So uh, I could have said it. It just wouldn't have gone as well. So as we get caught up, you know, in this season of life, wherever you may be, there may be other preferences that clamor for your attention. And like I said, politics is big, obviously, in an election year, but that's helpful advice. It's really not what we evangelize. 
Um, so we can stop it. You know, that, that, that may be a good reminder. I think it is. Uh, all right, so how do we do this, though? How do, we, how do we really approach these things in a way that can be helpful? Um, because we want to address them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 14, I believe, is on your listening aid, too. Uh, simple verse, but there's a lot to it. Let, let all that you do be done in love. This is actually a good checklist. If you're in a conversation or a situation with someone and you're trying to tell them something or get a point across or you feel like you need to share something, A, you may need to discern if you really do need to be saying anything in that moment. Sometimes wisdom is not saying anything. But this is the question. Am I doing this because I care about this person? Or am I trying to win an argument? And as I've gotten older, I haven't been any older than I am now, but as I've gotten older, um, I, I realize that I have less to say, and part of that's because there's no, sometimes the wise thing is just to listen. Um, And then God, I found over time, God's opened up opportunities with me, with people, to have an opportunity to to love and share the gospel that I wouldn't have had if I just put my preferences first. If I just said, um, this is important, we have to do it this way. So let all that you do be done in love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. So it's later on in this, in this book of Corinthians that Paul wrote to remind him that we are doing this. If you're going to approach anything that you do in life, let love be your motivation, that you care about them because you want to see them, this person win. You want to see things go well for them. And this can be very helpful. It's helpful in parenting. As I've learned to navigate and relate to my kids, I have to think, okay, the, the short term, I want that behavior to stop as soon as possible as a parent. The long term is how can I relate to them in a way that builds trust and love and shows them that um, we can speak kindly and patiently and that you can actually make progress that way. And that's, that's a hard thing, especially in the moment. Um, so don't major on the minor things. Uh, and what is the major thing? The major thing is Jesus. There's a God who restored man's relationship to him through the death and resurrection of his son. We have hope now. We have hope after this life uh, to be in heaven with, with God. And because of that, you and I have nothing to prove. Uh, so much of life, especially in the world of social media, is uh, people liking your pictures, people saying nice things about you, seeing your cool vacation, or you seeing other people's, and there's this competition. When Jesus died for you and he said it was, it is finished, you have nothing else to prove. If the God of the universe says you're forgiven, the other stuff is, is incidental. So we can really think, I am freed up to love other people now because my future is secure and my identity is secure. I don't, I don't have to go through trying to uh, keep up with some idea in my head that isn't found in Scripture. And so for me, I don't know about you, but for me, that's very helpful because I can just rest in the, in the forgiveness of God and move forward in His power to love people in a way that I can't do on my own. You know, on my own, I can, be, I can get very frustrated and get very worked up over these preferences, and we can lose a lot of ground. And, and the enemy loves that. Satan is very happy. If we're discouraged or we're caught in, uh, up in these preferences, he knows our progress is stalled, and we, he knows the unity dissolves. And so those are, those are things we want to be careful at and go back to the truth of God, of God the gospel, and the love of Christ. Uh, 
1 Corinthians 13, you may have heard of it uh, because it's used a lot at weddings. Um, let's look at uh, kind of how to, how to live in the tension, uh, and we're going to wrap up here. So uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Have you ever read this verse and tried to replace your name with love and see how it worked? Uh, Joel is patient and kind. Joel does not envy. Oh, does he not? You know, there's, there's a little bit of uh, this. But that's, that's what we're going for here as, as followers of Jesus because uh, we have access and we are conduits of his love. Uh, this should be us. And it can. We, ha- we have everything we need to, to live this way. So it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. We don't celebrate when bad things happen, but rejoices with the truth. Uh, we be- love bears all things. There are certain things in life you have to bear for longer than you want to. And by, by God's grace, you can. Uh, there are situations you wish were, were, were shorter, and they're just not. But love bears all things, believes all things, that there's hope on the other side of this situation, hopes all things, endures all things. We don't bail out. We stay in it. Um, and because of God, we can. Um, so that's kind of how we want to approach these relationships. And uh, it, it doesn't uh, insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Some of these things can really hit home uh, because it's like, well, if I don't insist on my own way, who's going to insist on my way, right? And so we have to really trust that God's not going to rip us off. It really is a, a faith issue here in our preferences. If I don't tell everybody what I prefer, then who's going to do it? And then you gotta, we've really got to get to the core of, well, does that matter as much as we think it does? Um, so let's look. There's, there's on, on your listening guide, if you're following along there, there's a, f- a few final um, blanks to fill in. And I'm kind of, uh, some of this you'll see evident in the verses we just read, but I want to just fill these in briefly and look at some next steps as we wrap up here. Um, so the first says, don't, uh, don't provoke. So in those verses, uh, some translations see, say love is not easily provoked. And so this is, don't provoke other people, and then don't be provoked. You may hear things because you can't control what other people say or do, but you don't have to let your blood boil and and get tension. So one of the ways we live in the tension is we don't provoke. We're kind of aware of our words that we're saying, and we want to just speak kindly and calmly, and that's a challenge. Uh, The second one, honestly consider, and that is just thinking through uh, your life. Is there a preference that has begun to dominate in your life, and it consumes maybe more of your time or your thoughts or your conversations than it needs to, um, and it, more than you know your relationship with Christ and Jesus and, and even sharing his love and about him. So just consider, maybe take some time to think through that uh, if there's a preference that seems to dominate. The third one there is to yield to the Spirit. So that's, uh, that can be like, what, what does that mean? Well, we know yield means you, know, you slow down or speed up, depending on how you drive um, at the yellow lights. But the idea is that you, you yield uh, to the spirit means you're, you're, you're going to slow down, be quiet, and listen. Um, and that may be new if you're just exploring a relationship with God or you've just recently become a Christian to think God actually speaks and you can, you can hear. Uh, he speaks through other, other people sometimes, obviously through a scripture, like Paul is bringing 
everyone back today to the truth of the gospel that doesn't change. It's, it's true for, uh, throughout every generation. But God can speak to us, um, but we've got to kind of slow down and listen. And we can listen through, through reading the Bible and through prayer and get a better perspective and actually just calm down through, through listening to God. We can actually experience a real calmness that doesn't come from just uh, majoring on our preferences, and, preferences and, and running around and just consuming media and things that really are, a lot of it is a design to ramp up our fear and anxiety. Um, okay, and finally here, excel in love. So these are, these are ways that we can, we can live in the tension of people maybe with different beliefs with us, but even within the church, different preferences. There are people that come together at Ridgeview and any church where you may not pick to hang out with them. You wouldn't have sought them out, but now you have more in common because of Jesus Christ. And, and so that is, that's over everything. You know, that takes care of, of, of these other preferences. It's more than your preferences, everything else. So excel in love. So these are things uh, to consider as you go throughout uh, your week. Also, Galatians 5.13, I didn't have it up here, but it says, um, for you have been called to freedom, brethren, only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So this idea is don't turn your freedom into something that, uh, becomes not about Jesus anymore. It becomes about uh, making yourself look good or doing the things you really want to do, but, you, but instead of serving, you know, use your freedom to serve and love other people. So take that perspective, take that energy and effort where it's like, I, I want to say something or do something. I want to change things. The Bible says the way you do that is through love. It's, that's not as glamorous as other ways we may think, you know? whether it's a, a, you know, a social media post or trying to get a bunch of attention one way or another, we need to do it in love, and, and God has a way of working these things out because he is almighty, there is none more powerful, and if we do things his way, we're going to find real progress and real help. Um, let's look at the next steps. I think, I think they're up here. Uh, you'll notice those on the back of your listening guide. Every week we have uh, next step options, just something you may want to consider uh, applying or working into your life. Also on the back of the connection card, you can write down your next step. And um, as Alex gets those, you can be praying. Uh, he, he, he can be praying for, for you this week and, and making those steps. But here's the first. Identify where liberty has created a license in my life. So there's um, legalism was what the Galatians were struggling with. Liberty or their freedoms was what Corinthians were struggling with. And maybe there's something in your life where you're like, yeah, I, I get to do that. I, I want to do that. That's fine. But if it's created a license where it's interfering with maybe your relationship with God, because, yeah, it's okay, but now it's gotten to the point where it's more important than any of the other stuff. So just may, maybe ask God if there's something in your life that, that has, it's giving, getting more attention than needed and, and work toward identifying it and then maybe getting help to, to see how to put that in the right perspective. The second one here is memorize 1 Corinthians 16, 14. It was a short verse. Uh, let all that you do be done in love. So as you encounter situations or whatever this week, you may say, oh, wait, what, what are my motives here? God, will you help me to respond here in a loving way? Um, and then finally, attend the rest of the series. This is a seven-part series. We're on uh, week two. So the next um, five weeks, Pastor Alex will be exploring more letters and more lives from the New Testament and how to bridge those truths to our lives today. So I appreciate you guys being here today. Hopefully this was helpful. 
And will you pray with me? And I'd like to invite the band up, and they're gonna, we'll be accept, receiving the offering in just a moment. And then we'll be singing our final song. So if you want to take a moment to finish filling out that connection card. When the offering comes by in a moment, we will, you can drop that in there. So let me pray, and then we'll continue in worship. God, we thank you for our time together today. We just ask for real help to get traction, God, as we kind of search our own lives. If there's strongholds that we've allowed to take place with preferences, from maybe uh, politics to schooling to dietary things to all these other things we've talked about today, or maybe it's something completely different, you would just give us help and traction to really remember that our lives are about uh, knowing you, loving you, and loving others, and we need your help to do this. And we just uh, pray that you would give us help and strength this week to make progress on these. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen.